We're excited today to have a couple of guests uh, speaking with us and helping us to understand about grace a little bit. And so I'm going to ask Josh and his mom, Sharon, to come up and let me tell you how we are connected to them as a church, and uh, then we'll t- they're going to tell you what they do and, and how they got to where they are and that kind of thing. We have a lot of guests today. Thank you all for being here. We appreciate you coming. Um, so our church uh, has a history of being very generous, which is awesome. Thank you all for giving. At the end of the year, um, sometimes we have excess funds. More, We've taken in uh, donations more than we have spent, and so because of that, um, we look for opportunities to bless people, uh, people that we don't normally bless. And so uh, my friend Marina mentioned uh, Evans Training Center to us, and so it was like, why don't we uh, help them this year? So we did. Marina, you need, do you know Marina? Uh, she's a little persistent. Uh, and uh, she mentioned you guys and said, hey, they have a great testimony. And I'm like, well, that's great. Um, I'll listen. So I listened to one of your testimonies. It was awesome, by the way. And so um, we're at a place where in this series called Blank Happens, and sometimes we talked about healing happens, and, and today we're talking about grace and how grace happens. And so we're happy to have you. Uh, I'm going to sit a little bit away. I've had a little bit of a, uh, something going on, and I'd like to not cough on you. So uh, I suspect you might like that too. All right, so Josh, tell us, you are the uh, operations director, manager at Evans Training Center. Tell us what Evans Training Center is, what you do there, Okay. Um, first of all, I just want to say thank you all for having us. Um, it's been a lot of fun to come and just kind of share um, my testimony with my mom um, about what the Lord's done in my life and not just my life, um, my family's life and people around me. So first of all, just thank you. It, it helps me when I'm able to come and share. So um, Evans Training Center, what we are is we are um, a Christian drug and alcohol rehab where men come in, um, they might have to go to detox, um, but we have got... Is it exclusively for men? It is. All right, so here's how it's going to... I might interrupt. Here's why. I'm old and I forget, Uh, and if I don't tell you right away, then it's going to slip out into the ethosphere and I won't get it out. So pardon me, I apologize on the front end, Uh, but uh, sometimes for clarification, it's good to say, okay, this is... So it's just men? That's right. Yep. Yep, so it's just men. and so it is a 40-week um, in-residence program. Um, it's no meds, no phones, no TV, nothing like that. And you're with us full-time for those 40 weeks. Um, all your needs are taken care of. Uh, we just ask that you have a good attitude and be willing to do whatever it takes. And so um, I know there are different types of programs out there. Um, I have been to a couple before I got to Evans to where, you know, if you're an addict, you can come here. Um, but with us, we're pretty selective with our process. We specifically help men that are desperate to change. They've probably been to a few rehabs. We have a lot of what you call retreads come through our program. Those are guys who have, um, who have had a little bit of success at sobriety and they've fallen. They might have had a couple years of sobriety and they've fallen. They just can't get it right. So um, it's a little bit of a different process at Evans because um, of the crowd that we're called to help. So it's a very intrusive process where, um, you know, the Lord is going to challenge any idol. We, we challenge, um, the areas that we see. And so, um, for myself, I can see something that a guy is holding close to his heart 
because I probably did the same thing. Mm -hmm. And um, we're not scared to, to challenge those things because ultimately that's where the disconnect happens, whether it's a female or whether it's a lifestyle or whether it's a place or whether it's a person they're just not willing to let go of. Like One of those things oftentimes is taking the place of where the Lord wants to be. Yeah. And so we just simply challenge it. Um, and so <clears throat> we have a, a specific curriculum that we go through. Um, and it's it's very good curriculum and then we also uh, go out and we work um, so after the morning times where they have a curriculum they go through um, we go out and we have a few painting crews and then a few landscaping crews and that's what funds us because the men coming into the program we don't ask them for any money and um, it's expensive to help people <laughs> so yeah. um, anyways that's what you know from and it's nothing crazy we ask them to work from you know, 10.30 to 4.30 or 5, you know, a five and a half, six hour work day. As a lot of y'all know, that's, you'd probably sign up for that in a heartbeat. Um, <laughs> but, um, but anyways, that, that's kind of what we do. Teach them character, integrity, um, doing what you say you're going to do, do it with excellence, um, those kind of things. And whether they do painting or landscaping, they take those principles with them, whatever they might end up doing in life. So um, that's a... I guess, a brief overhaul of Evans. Yeah. So you're directing now, but you were part of the program a few years ago. Tell us how you got there. Yeah, so all of us who um, work at Evans came through the program, um, except for um, our co-founder, Robbie. That's Ben's dad. Um, he went through a program down in Florida, and him and his father started one in South Carolina 13 years ago. And so... Um, excluding his dad, all of us that are in it come from addiction. And so how I came to Evans was six years ago. And um, I would love to say that, man, I just, you know, wanted to, to live right. And I had this moment, a revelation from the Lord where he showed me I needed to change my ways, like Paul on the road to Damascus situation. That, that wasn't it. Um, it was just... Um, my parents said, you can't be here no more. You're not welcome in our home, and we don't care if you're homeless or not. you got to do something different. And um, it was hard for them, and I was faced with a decision. I'm either going to get help um, or I'm going to continue down this path. And reluctantly, I said, I'll get help, I, I guess. I have no other options, <laughs> you know. But, um, you know, the Lord honored that, and through a tough process, he started to speak to me and open my eyes to some things and then he started to get in there pierce through that denial um was there a moment like in the program where it kind of clicked like oh i've really been wasting my life a little bit and and i need to do something i i, I need to do this for me was there ever that moment for you yeah well the the main um part of denial that was shattered um was a few months in where i had this mindset that because i was raised in a christian home you know, my mom and dad, they taught me right from wrong. I had every opportunity to do right, and I just chose to do what I did. And so um, for some reason, I had this mindset that I'm a, I'm a really good guy, you know. Yep. I just have this bad addiction. Yeah. Um, and if I could get the addiction, the drugs, and alcohol figured out, then I'd be good. And the Lord showed me pretty clearly um, through him speaking directly to me and from others around me that um, you're not a good guy. You are a terrible person. You are selfish. You are entitled. Um, you only think of yourself, and um, and you hurt people. You know, I, I was hurting my family. I was hurting 
uh, my brother. I was hurting my grandparents. Like they were watching me kill myself and my addiction. I thought I'm only hurting myself, yeah. but really I'm hurting all these people. And if I really loved them, I wouldn't be living this way. So yeah. I wasn't this great guy. I was a bad guy. Now the Lord showed me, hey, I, I want to heal that. I want to speak to that. I want to change that. But you need to own where you're at yeah. currently before I can heal it. And so when I said, man, I'm not a good guy, I'm actually a, a pretty, <laughs> I'm a loser and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm selfish and I'm, I need to change. Yeah. But um, so once that happened, now the Lord said, okay, you need help, kind of like the man at the pool. You know, Jesus says, do you want to be well? Um, he had to recognize that he was sick, you know, and he had to recognize, oh, I've got to do something about it. I've got to pick up my mat and walk. And so that's what the Lord told me to do. You're sick? Okay, now it's time to pick up your mat and walk. And he sh he's walked me through that. I'm still in that process of yeah. walking, picking up my mat. So, so Ms. Sharon, his addiction affected your family, I'm assuming. Tell, tell me how that, how that was for you. He just mentioned it a moment ago that it affected relationships and things. It does. Um, addiction affects, as Josh said, it affects everyone in the family. It's not just something that he carries. And um, imagine being in a, in a car and you're out on I-85 and you're a passenger in this car and you're in the wrong lane. You're in the wrong direction. You're, you're headed into oncoming traffic. Um, you see the oncoming traffic coming at you and you are desperately dodging to get out of the way of these vehicles that are headed your way. Um, that's a great way for me to explain how it affects your family. You, you are constantly in a mode of dodging you know, what is going to be the next shoe that drops? Um, so every morning you wake up wondering, um, what's the next thing? What, what does yeah. today hold? Um, I honestly had a, a, a true fear and anxiety over my cell phone ringing, mm -hmm. um, getting a text message on my phone, mm -hmm. because I had received those phone calls that, no parent wants to receive. So once that happens, it, it's like the snake bit. Yeah. You know, oh, there's my phone. You know, what, what's going to be? Do I even look at it to see who's on the other end? You know, I had even gotten phone calls from Josh. Um, so it, it, it's knowing that it's coming, but what is it going to be and when is it going to be? And that really affects your family in how you operate when you're in anxiety and fear and so that's kind of how it does it cause embarrassment uh and that, and that sort of thing because you wonder what people are thinking yes as a mom um i was a stay-at-home mom for um a lot of josh's bringing up so that was the first place i went you're exactly right is what did I do wrong? Hmm. You know, Lord, show me, you know, um, how could I miss it? You know, this yeah. badly, um, you isolate, you don't want to be around friends. You know, Josh was, 
in his late teens, early 20s, you know, his, all of his friends have moved on with their lives. They had finished college. They were getting married, having children. You know, I didn't want to go to the grocery store because I didn't want to see Mrs. Smith. And her asked me, well, what's Josh up to? Uh, mm. You know, it, it, it is. It's that shame and embarrassment. So at some point, <laughs> he drove you nuts enough to where you, um, you exhibited tough love, which is really tough, uh, th thus the name. Uh, so how did you get to that place? And I know, I know you and your husband came to that point, but what was that point like? And I mean, you can think about that you're going to do it, but then to do it is a whole different thing. I have a lot of theories about what I would do, but I don't know that I would do it. So tell me how that worked. And that's, that's so true. Um, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really bright. Uh, yeah. So thank you for acknowledging that. I appreciate it. <laughs> appreciate it. You are so right because you think, you know, if, if I see my, my son exhibiting these behaviors, you know, we're going to take care of this. Um, it honestly took years um, for Jeff and I to get to a point you think that we trusted that Josh could make good decisions he can't make he's not capable of making good decisions his addiction was making his decisions but you're still a parent you you know that there was a time that Josh made good decisions, um, but that's not Josh. So we had to kind of work through that process and there had to be enough consequences and enough just chaos in our home for us to finally say, we're, you know, we're, we're done. We love you. Um, I, I think Josh would, would back me up in this. I think he always knew that we loved him. But we had to separate his addiction from him. And we just had to open our hands and say, Lord, he's yours. There is nothing we can do. There is nothing we can say. And that's a really hard place for a parent. Because that all you've done your entire life is you've nurtured and to say God this isn't working out really well I think it's obvious we need to release him so he can have an opportunity and an encounter with a redeeming loving Lord that he needed all right so the analogy I would think is uh, you were a basketball player I think yeah all right, so my girls all play sports, and uh, they are absolutely the best player on the team. I don't care what team they're on. Um, there might be other girls with more talent, but they're not better. You know what I'm saying? And so you see everybody else's mistakes, but you kind of overlook your sons or your daughters in my case. Is that kind of how it felt to you? Yes. I will say initially on uh, the first few I mean, this is difficult to say. The first few years, we were clueless. Hmm. They're, they're really good 
at manipulating and I always had said when as we raised our children as long as you I see you making good decisions you know there's no reason for me not to trust you well what we were seeing seemed pretty you know pretty good decisions it wasn't until he was deep in his addiction and the wheels started falling off that we're like whoa what what is going on um so you're right you give them every opportunity they're your children you want to trust them yeah so for us it looking back uh, i wish i had had seen mm -hmm. the signs um earlier yeah so at some point you and your husband say we're done not with you but with living like this that is that fair and how, what did you say to Josh? Um, Jeff was the catalyst to that. Uh, I remember the night he came home from work and he said, this is it. We, the signs were there. He had already been through two treatments uh, facilities uh, in the years before. And we were seeing all the signs all over again. And so my husband said that, you know, we're going to um, confront him when he gets home. So we waited, and I was a wreck. And his father calmly told him, hand me your car keys. Um, we know that you're back in your addiction, and you are no longer welcome in our home. And he gave us a little pushback and um, we sent him up the driveway in the middle of the winter without a car, without money and said we, we're giving you to the Lord. Hmm. There is nothing we can do to help you. This is out of our control um, and we're going to put you in the hands of the Lord so how did you do that? Uh, how, how did you give him to the Lord? Um, I wanted to bring this this morning. I don't know, you can't see it really well, but you can tell it's torn and tattered and it's wrinkled. It's filled with a lot of tears. Um, I wrote this on August the 19th of um, 2012. Josh had been arrested um, that February, a few months before. And um, you spent a lot of time before the Lord. And he told me, I want you to make declarations over your son. The Lord told you this? Yes. Okay. This is a product of that. He gave me a verse, Philippians 1, 6. He that has begun a good work mm. is faithful to complete it. Now, I couldn't see any of that. Mm. I mean, we are in the deep, darkest bowels of 
addiction at this point. And I hung it on my bathroom mirror. And I told the Lord, I'm not taking this down till I see every one of these. So as you can see, it hung on a mirror in a bathroom and um, I had many opportunities during the day to look at it. And as time went on, I didn't see change, but it was between me and the Lord. I, I wasn't looking to here. I was looking to him. And um, my faith grew. <laughs> and um, I knew that I knew. I didn't know when and I didn't know how. But I knew that the Lord was going to, well, I, I used to say, get him, God. I'd say, get him. <laughs> I knew he was going to get him. Yeah. All right, so Josh, you are put out. Uh, what was your next step? What did you do after that? So when all that happened, they had called um, a pastor that we've known, you know, since I was born, just trying to um, maybe ask for help or guidance at this point because, you know, I went to a, um, a medical rehab and then I had gone to another faith-based rehab. Um, and so kind of like, you know, after that, when you go back to your addiction, say, so, okay, we tried the clinical route, we tried the spiritual route. What's now, left? Yeah, what, what do you yeah. do? And so that's whenever Jan had told me about Evans. Um, and so that's when I called Evans. And, you know, for a few days, they interview you um, to see, are you really going to be a good fit? Are you desperate? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? And so during that time, you know, I, I stayed at a couple friends' houses, you know, um, who they took me in and allowed me to stay with them for a couple of days while I was calling. And then they, um, then I went to Evans shortly after that. So, so how did the Lord, um, your mom's praying for you, your dad's praying for you, probably others, I would su suspect. We don't usually do, we do this in community a lot of times. We ask others to pray. Could you feel that? I mean, how did, and if you, if so, how did that help you, guide you back? Could I, could I feel it? I don't necessarily know if I felt it. Mm -hmm. um, but what I can say is looking back in retrospect, um, I'm grateful that people were praying for me when I couldn't pray for myself, you know? And I didn't, I, I, I couldn't see like where the Lord has me today with, you know, my beautiful wife and our son, Baylor. Um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't see it. So just having people praying for me through my rebelliousness, my pride, my self-righteousness and, um, that, that's hard for somebody to, it's hard. I'll, let me sidetrack for a second. Um, some of the hardest people to deal with are the ones that are prideful and self-righteous and have a better than attitude and think I don't need help. Um, like whenever you're called to ministry full-time, 
but that was me, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm grateful that people were patient with me mm -hmm. and just continually showed me tough love and prayed for me all while confronting the attitudes that needed to be confronted, you know, and so um, I believe those prayers of, um, of grace in my life allowed me to be confronted and allowed those attitudes um, to be exposed and the Lord to deal with them and me not run away and puff up in pride and leave whenever people are challenging me. I believe all those prayers allowed me to walk through that stuff so the Lord could purge every area of my life he wanted to be purged. So in the moment when I'm, when I'm in it, you know, it's like, what, what's the one thing a fish can't see? It's water because he's in it. Mm. And so when you're in it, you're merely existing and your whole world, you're not looking to live. You're just looking to exist. Mm. And your whole world revolves around the next high. And your first thought when you wake up in the morning is, I wonder if my guy has anything. And if he does, how am I going to get money today? So prayers, spiritual stuff, that was never on my radar because you're so engulfed in, I got to get high. But then once you get sober and you, okay, man, looking back, I'm so thankful that people were praying for me, patient with me, dealing with me, and the Lord spared me, really, because, man, look, there's so many like scenarios and circumstances and situations where I believe those prayers covered me um, and kept me safe. And probably, like, while Mom was praying, get them. You know, I'll say those <laughs> same prayers for people I know now, like, Lord, just get them to their bottom so you can have your way with them. But show them mercy. Like, don't, like, spare them. You know, so for me, like, my getting me was, okay, jail, rehabs, getting kicked out, losing all my money, everything. Okay, well, now the Lord can get them. So, all right, you done? But show him mercy. Allow him to still um, be in a position where he can follow you and, and choose you. So. so how does the Lord help you with sobriety? You've been sober six years, which is awesome. Um, what part does faith and uh, the Lord have in, in that in keeping you where you want to be? So we teach the guys um, to, to journal every day. And our journaling is um, it's a little different. I haven't really met anyone that journals the way we do other than that we're called a regeneration ministry, not a, a rehabilitation ministry. Regeneration means to completely change everything. Rehab is to return to your former state. And so... Uh we believe that if I return myself to my former state before I used, well, that's the state that I chose to use it. <laughs> yeah, so I don't need yeah. to be returned. I need to be completely, yeah. like in Romans it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yeah. Completely transformed. That, that's what we believe. So the journaling every day is what helps transform my mind, and the Lord can speak to things to give me very practical, solution-oriented advice for my day today. Um, and not, not something super spiritual, spooky, always. It's just a very practical um, things that line up with truth and the word, but how I can apply this today to help me. And so, for instance, my journal, it looks like where I'll get grateful every morning. I'll about have about a half a page to a page of gratitude. Um, thank the Lord where he brought me from, for my wife. For, I pray over Baylor. I pray over her. Um, I'm just getting grateful. Pray over my mom and my dad and my, my family, whatever the Lord puts on my heart. And then I get into my confession. And that's going to be where I'm reflecting on my day yesterday. So this morning when I was journaling, I was thinking about my day yesterday and the areas that the Lord's highlighting where I fell short. 
and not even necessarily with my outward behaviors, but in my thinking, in my reactions, in my attitudes. Mm-hmm. I confess that, ask for forgiveness, and now I'm asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want to speak to me about the area that you want to tend to today? And so once I get still, he'll speak to me. Um, we believe like the sheep can hear the shepherd's voice, that we can hear the voice of God if that's what we're tending our ear to. And so, for instance, th- this morning what the Lord spoke to me is that my wife was a little under the weather yesterday. He said, be extra sweet to your wife today. Um, serve her, you know, um, come alongside of her, try to make her life easier. Um, and then a couple of other things, but that was the gist. Be extra sweet to your wife today. So I tried to wake up and I made her an egg this morning because, you know, she was getting ready, getting Baylor ready. And I tried to make Baylor breakfast too because I was up earlier than them. And okay, and I believe I'm doing what the Lord's telling me to do today. And yeah. okay, now other days it's going to be okay, you need to go and make that relationship right. You need to own your side of the street today. Ask for forgiveness. Um, it might be, hey, you need to keep your mouth shut, Josh. Like your mouth gets you in trouble. Shut up today. Don't, you don't always have to have something to say. Um, some days he's encouraging me. Some days he's disciplined me, you know, but um, he's never condemning me. He's always... Um, it's like a coach. Exactly. And so I believe, like, that's our way. That, and these men... We teach them to live out of the voice of God, you know? So that morning when the Lord tells you something to do, do it. And if you don't do it, we're going to confront it, you know? Are you doing what the Lord's telling you to do? Why not? You know, does your way work? No, it doesn't. So why aren't you doing what the guy's telling you to, you know, that kind of, so just, and then accountability. So through hearing the, hearing God's voice, to answer your question, what does my relationship with the Lord and my sobriety look like? I try to do what Lord's telling me to do first thing in the morning, and then I have brothers, all these guys sitting over here are my brothers that help me because um, we need the body. They will hold me accountable to what the Lord is telling me to do, and we're open. Like We know what each other's journals say. We'll read each other's journals. We read these guys' journals just to see what the Lord's speaking to them. I'll share my journals with the guys I'm in relationship with. They'll do it with me. And, yeah, you're just almost like a New Testament church. You're just, you know... Yeah, community is important That's in right. anything, especially recovery. Miss um, Sharon, really important question. So tough love. Let's can we go back to that just for a second. How, how did you? I think for some people it's difficult to 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 somehow figure out how does tough love and grace. How how is it gracious to be tough? It it is, and God is tough with us. But how did you get to that place, you and your husband? It's a, it, was, it was the right decision, but in the moment, I, I'm sure it was just really tough. Well, I think that we equate um, tough love with abandonment, and those are, are not the same thing. Um, Josh knew we loved him, but we had to release him. So... Tough love may look like sending your son up the driveway in the middle of the winter with nowhere to go. Um, But it's love that motivates because you come to a realization that I'm not the answer. You know, 
my husband's not the answer. If if that had been the answer, we wouldn't have He'd walked be fixed. through a, a yeah. decade of yeah. of despair. Um, so, yes, grace is is giving up, is opening your hand and allowing the Lord to step in. But like Josh says, there's there's no condemnation, but there's, um, he's got to be held accountable. Yep. And Lord, you have to do it. We love you, but. Well, the greatest story ever told of that is about the prodigal, where I, the father lets the prodigal leave. Always watching. That is so true. Um, yes. Yes, you're right. Again, two. I, that's twice today. <laughs> I don't I'm keep speechless. score or anything, but I'm really happy with myself. Okay, super. Um, all right, so um, when you pray for people, Miss Sharon, um, I mean, you said every day, by the way, you teased us with what's on that paper. Uh, uh, I, will you give us like one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they aren't real um, spiritual. It's because when you when you have a child in addiction, you know, it affects their. Uh, I mean, Josh most of the time actually held a job, but you know he didn't save any money, obviously. But um, so they're they may kind of halfway operate in a life, but you you want them to break through, you know, to be successful. Like the first thing I have written is, Josh, you are successful. Um, Josh, you are a man of God. Josh, you are disciplined. You know, Josh, you are faithful. You know, because they break promises. They're mm -hmm. not faithful. They tell you, I'll do mm -hmm. this, but it, you never see it. Um, Josh, you are a man of self-control. You know, they're led by their addiction. And this is your prayer for him. That yes. The, these things would become true. What did you say? You called them your what? Your... Uh, ble ble well, actually, I did it for both my sons. Um, I'm just getting them both in at the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're no, there. You might as well get them both, yeah. But um, it's blessings for my sons is what... Hmm. I felt like the Lord was telling me to, you know, it's nothing real. Do you spiritual. still pray those? Do you still pray them? For um, them? No, not in this way. Yeah. I don't. This is this has come down off the mirror. Yep. Um, my prayers are very different now, but this is what got me through. Because mm. you were trusting that God would do these things. And the more. The more I saw it, the more I declared it, the more it, you know, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. And I saw it, I lived it. You know, this gets down in you. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling Josh, we were leaving the lawyer's office, and he was looking at some, actually looking at 15 years in prison. And... Um, we get in the car, and he's devastated. I'm devastated. His dad gets in his truck to go back to work to try to work a day when your whole world's just falling apart. Mm. And 
um, Josh looked at me and he said, Mom, my life is over. And I will say in that split second, it was, you are, oh man, you're right. But that is not what came out. What came out is, I don't know when and I don't know how, but I know that the Lord is going to use this one day. And I have to believe that it's the, the days, the weeks, the months that I positioned myself before the Heavenly Father, who was the only one who could reach him. That's faith, right? It's faith, yeah. And to piggyback off that, um, so you can see how the Lord has used that for a lot of good from that day. But in a very um, obvious and practical way, I'll tell a story about how the Lord used that. So one of, one of the roles I used to do was I would go to the jail and interview guys um, down in Spartanburg County. We got a good relationship with them and guys that are in there saying they want to come to Evans and need help. You know, we'll need to sit with them several times. Um, to see if we accept them into the program or if we're not, because a lot of times we have to go to court. Um, not to say that this guy is a great candidate or anything, we just say, hey, he has no character and we can help him and we accept him into our program. And so if we're going to stand up before a judge and do that, we need to know um, to the best of our ability, you know, this person that we're going to bring into our family. And so it was one day I was in court for a guy and um, I'm just sitting in the gallery waiting because, you know, they see several people and I'm just sitting there and one of the, you know, you got the defense and you got the prosecutors um, or solicitors. And so this court's going on and some of those guys are kind of loose with it. They'll walk in the gallery and they'll ask their clients questions and stuff all while, um, you know, a case is going on. And so anyways, I'm sitting there and this guy that I had no idea who he was from the prosecutor's bench comes up to me in the gallery and he said, he leans over. And he goes, 2013 distribution, manufacturing over there at Papa Sam's parking lot. Yeah, I remember you. And he kind of smiled and he walked back to his bench. And I was like, that, that was my case. Yeah. So, and I'm like, man, this guy, no, he, he remembers Sharp, me, you know? yeah. Like that, and at this time it was like 2020 or 2021. That's you know? remarkable, yeah. Yeah, so I'm like, wow. So anyways, that was interesting. Well. Ended up where we had a, a we have a good relationship with those guys now at the solicitor's office where I can actually call some of them and say, hey, what, what's going to happen in this case? Like, because we kind of need, does he have a shot at coming to our program or not? And they'll look at it and say, yeah, probably not. Or, yeah, he's got a shot or just, you know, a very good relationship, a back and forth. Um, that guy that came up to me, he actually called me and they bought a, a new house over in Converse Heights in Spartanburg, nice house. He said, hey, can you come quote this paint job at my house? You know, we had a good relationship. This is the guy that was prosecuting me. Yeah. So <clears throat> here recently, actually just about a week or two ago, I think, um, I can apply for a pardon. And what that is, is I can apply for a pardon from the state, which means seven years go past, you haven't gotten any trouble, and you can ask for people to recommend you for a pardon, which you get your rights back, and it doesn't blemish your record and all that. And so you, you have get to expunged. Have, I think, is that the word? I love well, the word. It's kind of like a, exp, expunge is better than a pardon, but they're similar. 
Um, Let's just call so, it an expungement. I there like you go. Uh, right. Okay. So the funny thing is, is so I had to get three letters. And so I got two letters, and then the other guy, um, he had actually reached out a few months ago. This guy, that, um, this prosecutor, and said, hey, I saw you graduated college. You need to get your pardon. You need to get this off your record. This is the guy that's prosecuting me. He yep. said, why have we not? You need to get this off your record. And I'm like, okay, well, and I had kind of been procrastinating. The Lord was just, <laughs> Bailey was saying, we need to get this on the road. And then now the guy that was charging me saying, you need to get this on the road. So I'm like, okay, I hear you, Lord. And he said, all right, and I want to write a letter. So this guy who prosecuted me, I'm trying to, put me in jail for my decisions for a long time, you know, years down the road, he's saying, hey, we need to forgive him for this, that he said, I rarely see people that actually change, and this guy, and he, you know, I see what he's doing, and I support a pardon for Josh Stanley. Wow. And so, like I said, it almost seems like a, if I would have told that story to myself in the moment, you're like, uh, there, there's no possible. It way. went from my life is over to the guy that's trying to make my life over is writing a letter for me. That's right. It's pretty good. Mm. You said something I heard an interview one time that your parents couldn't have done anything different. It's really important. Yeah, so I, I say this, um, you know, if there's ever any parents in the room um, that have a child in addiction, um, that, you know, there's no, you know, a, there's no word or there's no moment or anything that they could have said something really wise that would have changed the outcome for me. Um, because ultimately, you know, a man's going to do what a man wants to do. You know, I, I wanted to, uh, to live the lifestyle that I was living. And so that's what I did. And even, even Jesus in the flesh, I honestly, if Jesus in the flesh could come down, his aura around him and everything said, Josh, you're living wrong. You need to stop living that way. And I'd probably to his face say, oh, yes, Lord, you're right. And it might stick for a day, maybe two, but the next, I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm, I want to do. So, um, yeah, I just say that because I, I realize, um, you know, my son's one and a half I pray over him every day. He doesn't go down the path I did. But um, parents just need to know that these guys or girls or whatever, they're going to do what they want to do. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, that's just how it goes. I mean, you do what you want to do. You know, I do what I want to do. So um, it's not the parent. It's not the But they carry a lot of guilt a lot of times. Mm -hmm. and so, that's right. Yeah. Ms. Sharon, we're done. You're going to get the last word. We're about done. We, we can take as long as you want. But if you had a last word, what, what would it be? You have the last word. What would you like to tell us? That wasn't in my questions. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, you didn't get a chance to prepare, but no, um, I'll put you on the spot. Well, there's a lot of things that, you know, run through my head because I, I know statistics tell me that there's, there's a family or there's an individual in this room that's, this story is all too familiar to you. Um, I would tell you that you're not alone. I will never forget uh, the founders, the Dismutes family, Vita, um, very soon after Josh uh, went to Evans Training Center, uh, we were talking one day and she told me, she said, um, 
I could probably finish your sentences. And these six years later, it's still as profound to me as the day she told me that because she had traveled the same road that our family had traveled. And for her to acknowledge that to me, it was, it was just such a relief that she understood. Um, so I would, would tell the parents out there, there are, or family members, you know, it, it could be an aunt, an uncle, a, a dad, a, a mom, you know, that, that there are others that understand um, your pain and your, and your journey. But I would tell you to release it, to live your life with empty hands. Um, because if you open these hands and empty them, I look at Bailey and I look at Baylor, our grandson. I mean, I don't have enough hands to hold what the Lord's given us in return. So just be very cognizant of always trusting and putting your faith in the Lord, not in your ability or, or what we could do to try to fix Josh or how we could just line his whole life up and he's going to make great decisions and it's just going to all work out in the wash. You know, we did that. It didn't work. It's when you come to the end of you and for us, we had to come to the end of us as Josh had to come to the end of himself. I had to come to the end of me. And no, Mom, you, you can't fix this one. So I, my last word would be just to open your hands in whatever situation. It doesn't even have to be addiction. It's whatever you're facing. It's just open your hands and allow the, the Lord to take over. Take it, Lord and just see that at the end, your hands are gonna be so full of the blessings and the gifts he wants to give us good things. But in the moment, it's tough, isn't it? In the moment, it's tough. It is. Yeah. Let me pray for you. Uh, I, I wanna make a couple announcements and, and I'll do that in just a second, but let, let's, um, let's thank these folks. This takes a lot, of, a lot of courage. So if you would thank them with me. <laughs> I'm going to pray a blessing on you all, and then I'll make a couple of announcements, and we'll be dismissed. After the service, uh, I always hang out right here if you want to come say, hey, would you all mind just hanging out, and people might want to talk to you, and that kind of thing. Uh, but let me pray a blessing. Lord, thank you for our time together today. Um, help us to be encouraged and motivated uh, to uh, open our hands and our hearts, to not be so worried, uh, to believe that you're in control, to accept that, to claim that, uh, we ask it and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.